Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to the Real Quick with Mike Swick podcast, special quarantine series, episode number nine. Today, we have a very special guest, somebody I've never got to really talk to, though I've really wanted to. Uh, We've always been on the opposite end of the octagon. Uh, We've had teammates that fought. Um, It's ironic because he's a serviceman, and I have been a very big supporter of our servicemen throughout my UFC career, doing multiple tours overseas, including Iraq and Afghanistan. So he's a person I've always wanted to talk to and a person that I deeply respect, both for his service to our country and for his fighting ability, where he was a top contender in the UFC. Um, He's also the owner and founder of Sheepdog Response, which is a tactical training company. I'm talking about Tim Kennedy. All right, Tim Kennedy, welcome to the show, buddy. Thanks. It's been a been a while since I've seen you, and I have never really got to talk to you very much, and that's crazy. That's crazy because we we kind of cross cross paths a lot in our career, sort of. We didn't fight on the same cards, but we yeah. were always in the same kind of vicinity. Yep, f- f- teammates fighting teammates, me fighting yeah. teammates, um, yeah. you fighting my teammates. Yeah, all all who, over the place. Who did I fight? Well, that was your teammate. Long time. I mean, who didn't you fight, right? Yeah, I fought a lot. You fight any Jackson? Any, any, you ever fight any Jackson Winkle John guys? Yeah, I, I fought a few. I fought some different people, but yeah, yeah. So we were always we were always like on opposing corners, but um, obviously mm-hmm. deep respect for the military thing. So that that's awesome and uh, that's cool, and and that's what you're doing now. You're you're working with uh, Sheepdog Response. You've, you've formed a company uh, that does tactical training, correct? Uh huh. Yeah. And that's cool. You're enjoying that. Or, uh, <laughs> well, I mean, it's it, you know, it's, it's what I've done my whole entire life. Uh, yeah. Now I just I, I get to do it for myself and not for the army. Um, I still have to do it for the army, so that's not an accurate statement. But now I get to do it for myself and the army. There you go. Right. And it's your thing. And and, and so you're actively enlisted too, right? So you're you're still currently enlisted in the mm-hmm. army. That's cool, man. Yeah, I've been I've been in for 16 years this coming january that's awesome a while you're like their poster boy man like you got to be the most famous green beret out there all your shows uh hunting hitler and then hard to kill and then like all the stuff you've done with the ufc and then you've got to be motivating people to get into recruitment right yeah they, they, they definitely give me a little um little leeway from i i guess a normal soldier just because of the positive impact i have on the regiment but um, you know, I still have to, I still have to go to be a good Green Beret. Yeah. Uh, I don't know about the the most famous. You know, you got guys like John Rambo and uh, yeah. and John Wayne. <laughs> Those guys were pretty good Green Berets. Yeah, they were. They were pretty excellent. So with, obviously, this is the quarantine series. I want to talk to you about that because I've talked to a lot of different fighters and a lot of different personalities in the sport, be it current and previous. Um, you being in the military is a little bit different. Um, what, what, what is your what is your take on the state of this whole entire pandemic and how it's taking over the world and like what what's your thoughts on that like is this the is this the is this the worst is this the worst disaster of our generation? I I, I mean that'd be pretty rad if it was because this is not bad you know for like oh if this is the the worst moment <laughs> of our generation's time then uh, cool we have it pretty pretty good I think I think you're talking like the total death count is going to be like 168,000 for the United States. Yeah. Um, so like, I mean, that's a bad flu season. It really is. Yeah. Yes. It's, 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 that's a, that's a lot of people. Um, but not in the, 
not in like the the big spectrum of of uh how it influences like economically it's had a huge impact it's changed a lot of people's lives um but i have not understood for a moment how people have respond why people have responded this way why we have responded this way um you know it's uh i got it flat in the curve but it's pretty idiotic it's crazy the difference in America compared to everywhere else. And you're you're kind of pro for the not staying at home, correct? Like like not letting the government tell you to stay at home and and stay indoors. Like in Thailand, we, we were forced to stay inside and stay actually in districts. So they actually blocked off the roads, and we had to stay in our like I guess you would call it neighborhood sort of, where I couldn't even go to the gym. My my business that's been shut down by the government as well. Um, I couldn't go to my gym. I couldn't go see my friends. I couldn't go to certain areas. So we were locked in for probably around two to three weeks. Now they've controlled uh, the virus in Phuket enough that they're opening up the the areas where we can travel from different places. Um, in America, it's completely different. They're trying to, I guess they can't force you to stay at home, but they're trying to. You're against that, correct? Like you're 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 more so along the, the freedom of being able to do what you choose to do with you and your family, correct? Oh yeah, I'm, I'm 100%, not, not a little bit, I'm 100% against the government telling me to do anything. <laughs> Um, you know, like at all, the, you know, them, them, them telling you to close down your business insane to me. You know, like yeah. there, there's a, there's a young woman up in Dallas. Um, she, she reopened her business against the governor's order and, um, they you know, they arrested her and they find her and, uh, you know, she's going to spend some time in jail. Um, wow. and the judge is like, Hey, you know, you, you need to apologize and understand what you did was wrong. She's like, no, I was, I was literally doing this. So my kids didn't starve. And, yeah, and, of course. And like that—that that is not the. It is my opinion, um, and it was the America's opinion, like the founding fathers' opinion. That it is not the government's place to tell us what to do in any right. way, shape, or form. They work for us. Um, and I—I I, I have fought pretty. I've done some pretty horrific things um, to support that those ideals. And um, so when those aren't being realized, when I have a you know, a governor in Michigan that's telling people that they can't grow vegetables. And, you know, you have a governor in California that's telling you that you can't go outside or walk on the beach or go to a park or paddleboard and you're going to get arrested. Um, you know, like, w- w- yeah, you have a problem. Like you're describing Thailand. And I was like, man, I, I remember that. That's, that's what they did to the Jews in 1939, 40 and 40 and 41, you know, like cool. Put them into districts and you know, like tell them what businesses they're allowed to use, where they're allowed to go, who they're allowed to talk to. You know, like maybe you should even have you guys, you know, sew some things on your jackets to make sure everybody knows exactly who is who. You know, yeah. you're, you're laughing, but like how far away it. are we from that? I get it. And that like scares insane. me. Yeah, it scares me. You know, like, do it you think scare you? Do you think there is any, I mean, I, I get your point a hundred percent. I totally get your point, do, but do you think there's any chance? Okay. So obviously you being a special uh, forces operative and, and having sensitive information, I'm sure you have a top secret clearance and acceptability reviews on certain things and, and all that. Um, so you obviously know information sometimes that the civilians don't know that could protect them. And, and sometimes you may instruct a civilian in, in your military life or career to go and, and do something to protect yourself. And they may say, I don't want to do it. And you're like, no, shut the hell up. I have information that you don't. And there's a reason for that. Uh, Go protect yourself by doing this. And you have that information to know you're protecting them. What if, I'm just saying, what if the government has this information that that could protect 
the civilians from this virus or whatever, and they're saying, please stay at home for your protection. Uh, what if there's a chance of that? And then you don't do it and it makes it worse. And I'm only yeah, saying that because the numbers in America are going so high. Yeah. There's 73,000 people dead, 1.24 million cases already. It's been the biggest in, in the world, and they're the ones opposing it the most. So that's the only reason I, I ask this question. Yeah, we, we still at the end of this will have the lowest um, death percentage per capita. So like the United States, um, even with those like astronomical numbers in comparison to, to countries that have very low populations. So at the end of it, you'll be like, oh, per capita, this is right. a really, really remarkably n- low number. Um, so low, in fact, like why the hell are we doing any of this? And to answer your question about the government having information that the people don't, that's wrong. On principle alone, that is wrong. The, right. the, the government should not – um, you know, you go all the way back to 9-11 where they're like, OK, what we're going to do is we're going to pass this Patriot Act so that we can go into people's cell phones. But it's really for your protection. And immediately, you know, through executive orders and, and congressional lack of oversight, we give away the, the most amount of freedom that we've ever done in our entire lives. And we did it mm-hmm. out of fear. And we're doing the exact same thing now. We're, we're acting out of fear. Like that, that whole entire question was a hypothetical question based off of which was com- completely baseless based off of non-factual information because when you when you, when you really look at what has happened every little bit of information that the government has had that they have shared the models the projections about what the death toll is going to be it has been absolutely totally inaccurate in the most right. insane way they were projecting that we're going to have 2 million deaths in the United States 2 million now we're talking okay, wait 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 no no wait we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna bring that to down to a million. Wait wait wait. Nope. We're gonna change that to five hundred thousand. Nope. Now we're gonna change it to two hundred fifty thousand. Do it. As a matter of fact, it looks like it's gonna be like one hundred sixty five thousand. Sorry right. about that. I'm super sorry that we did trillions and trillions of dollars of damage, and probably the number of deaths from suicide from people going onto the street, getting addicted addicted to drugs once they're foreclosed, once they're kicked out, once they're evicted. Those deaths are gonna be higher than the deaths related to COVID. Like if you right. start looking at the numbers of the impact, the economic impact, we're not talking like money versus lives. We're talking like lives versus lives. Mm-hmm. When you start so negatively damaging an economy and people are getting put out on the street and they're homeless, for every 1% increase in homeless, you have a 12% jump in use of, uh, of substance abuse. Gotcha. For every 5% of su- substance yeah. abuse, you see an increase of 10% of suicide. So off the numbers alone where you see – a double-digit growth of unemployment. We're talking a couple hundred thousand deaths by suicide and drug overdose just related to unemployment. So if, if you're going to like try to take a moral high ground about protecting people's lives or you know, like the old or the weak, um, man, you're just flat. You're just you're just choosing one life over the other. Right. And um, and I, I think I think that is not the government's position to do. That's the individual's. Yeah, I'm definitely not an expert in this, and I'm living in a bubble in Thailand. And I think, I think being in Thailand when this happened, and what news we were able to gather, and how they were talking to us, and 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 treating us, and how how we you know went about this, it, it was a little bit more paranoia. And so like we we thought we were getting hit with a. It seem, what seems to be a lot bigger catastrophe than what what it actually is. So that's why I was asking that question. And 
you know, it's just, it, yeah, I, I just, uh, how, how do you see, how, how do you see this ending then? Like, how do you see this going back to normal and ending in the safest way possible? Do you think it's one of those things where people get infected and cause we, we know people are asymptomatic. We know people have very minute, uh, you know, symptoms and they, they could just get over it really fast without any medical care or they go to the hospital, get minor medical care. And then obviously the, 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 the most rare is the older preexisting conditions, uh, where they're pretty much on their deathbed anyway, and they die. Is it going to be a situation? where um, if you know you take a chance of getting this like any other disease in the world you go out there and you get it and you either just get over it and you're asymptomatic or you you know you have like a flu it's just a bad flu you get over the flu you sit down and you sleep for a few days or you go to the hospital you might have to take some antibiotics or you know the worst case scenario if you're older you die and you and you move on is that how we're going to you, you think we should treat this or do we have to wait for this vaccine and and this whole cure and all this kind of stuff is going to take obviously ages to to happen Go, go back to work. Yeah. I want I want um, to open up um, my gym, I, you know, I, so yeah. I'm rooting yeah. for, I'm I, rooting uh, for, let's just go for it. And if we get it, we cure it or we don't have any symptoms and we move on. That's what I'm going for. Yeah. There's, um, fortunately we, we, we have precedents, uh, of pandemics throughout history, you know, in hundreds of examples, um, even in current, like recent recorded history from, SARS to Mars to um, even all the way to the Spanish flu, like really good examples of um, man, you go you go back to work and things start back up again. Uh, right. The longer you pro- prolong it, the worse it gets. Um, you know, especially something that's so, so transmittable as this. You're, I, I get flattening the curve, but at some point, everybody has to be exposed to this. Um, I, yeah. You know and. And and I do agree with you with flattening the curve. Like, like I do for think me, when, right now is better. Yeah, I do. I do agree with you flattening the curve. I think when we were going through this in Thailand here, I, I never saw this as a cure. I never saw this as a way to fix it. If this was a way to fix it, we're looking at way longer than a vaccine and a cure to, to isolate people until this thing is over. I mean, how long could that possibly take? If it takes for, I mean, it could take forever. Um, so I definitely saw it as flattening the curve versus fixing the problem. Um, but, you know, I just, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a tough thing, man. You know, I, it, like you said, the, the news comes out one day, it's one thing, and then it's the next, and then it flip-flops to this and that and the other, and it's just like, but, and there's a lot of things they're withholding, I think. You know, the one thing that if you Google and try to find out is age groups of people who are dying and, and their pre-existing conditions. It's a really hard stat to find because it's a lot of it's really inten- old it's people. Intentionally, yeah, it's, it's, it's an intentionally hidden. Um, like, there, there's no doubt in my mind that... Uh, the difficulty of us being able to find out uh, what pre-existing conditions uh, existed for, um, like, we'll, let's just take the, the current 75,000 people that have died in the United States. Um, if we took that 75,000, we said, okay, who had emphysema? Um, who, how old were they? Um, what, like, uh, not that I approve of, of her political position or anything. There's a, a young lady named Candace Owens, and she is stirring the pot right now because she's going and finding i albeit outliers of people that have been uh the their their death cause says mm. covid but then she's like this person was hit by a truck yeah like, they were driving <laughs> yeah. in their car and they got that hit by no a sense. semi-truck right but their cause of death says covid and this person is 88 years old has emphysema and um, has been on a respirator and for the past like three months and on oxygen and they got COVID and is now dead. 
and they're attributing it to COVID. This is an 88-year-old person with um, emphysema, you know? Uh, so from – I could not – be more irritated and frustrated with the, our inability to get real information. It feels like everybody's lying to us, um, you know, from major news networks to the white house to everybody. It's just like, I don't know. There's not anybody you can believe. Um, you know, like, especially the WHO, like we know they're lying. There's no doubt that they are absolutely trying to protect China. Um, you know, shame on them. Like they, they, they are the cause. There's a lot of blood on their hands. Like the, the literally the organization whose purpose is to protect us, they were lying to the world about the origin and how the, the spread of COVID happens. Um, so from as an American, I'm like, I hope we never have anything to do with the WHO again. I hope we defund them. I hope we pull out and I hope the rest of the progressive, like the first, the progress world says, go kiss our ass. Yeah. WHO, you suck. So you're not wearing like mask and, and bio suits when you go to the grocery store and gloves and everything when you're shopping. I, I take it. <laughs> no, that's that's right. No. Um, I, I don't have to shop often. Um, yeah. I, I live in Texas, obviously. I got a big old flag I'm a Texas, me. I'm a Texas boy too, bro. I'm a Texas boy too. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I'm on land. I, I have I have eggs every, every day and we got food and I have solar and I have well water. So like I don't have a... Um, I've been inconvenienced very little. The, like the biggest impact for me, honestly, is uh, jujitsu and kickboxing. Like, yeah, you know, I've been hitting more pads um, and training with fewer people than I normally do. Right. Yeah, that makes. I mean, that makes perfect sense. Do you think? I always want to ask someone like you, especially. Do you think that there will be some kind of apocalyptic? Uh, situation in the future like are you are you worried about the future where something way worse than what this is will happen to where it's like every man for himself um do i think it's gonna happen no um, ever no i mean it seems like we were just right on horseback shooting people with pistols and and then dropping bombs out of planes then like nuclear weapons and then like i mean time is flying fast and it just seems like it's going in a really bad direction and a couple of nuclear bombs, yeah, I mean, that's going to take down cities. I mean, pretty much then it's going to be who's going to go to work. I mean, the military, the police, who's going to protect people? Who's going to if, – if like a major, major. Yeah. Um, I also am in, in a very unique community, uh, not like literally where I live, but like a group that I surround – myself with and the people that I work with, like I, I literally own a company that teaches people how to be prepared. Right. Um, you know, so like from executives to instructors, you know, at any given moment, there's a couple dozen green beret, special forces, Navy seal Delta force guys that are like hanging around my house. And yeah. all of us are very similarly situated where you could go to any one of our houses and be like, wait, there's an apocalypse going on right now. Uh, yeah. That's weird because we're making elk tacos for dinner. You guys coming over? <laughs> like, we just popped a bottle of wine. Um, I'm joking. Like you're laughing, like I'm joking, but that's literally what my life is is yeah. is like and would be like if the whole entire world burnt down. Um, so, like, I think this pandemic really showed how fragile the systems are. 
um, and how dangerous people are. You know, like panic breeds panic, fear breeds fear. Um, but on the same side of that, calm breeds calm. You know, there there are uh, like while people like might lose their minds and. You know, you you look at like the Watts riots and the Rodney King riots, like that was over like racial things, right? Um, you know, and and economic and social injustice. Uh, you know, you you add that kind of fuel to this kind of fire. You know, uh, a Costco truck doesn't make it its delivery, and there's no food on the shelves, and people lose their minds pretty bad. Enough people are sick where um, I go to flip on the light switch in the morning, and there's no power. Um, people could lose their minds. Um, you know, but that, that, that's like, like a, a flash in the fire pan. Um, and the crazy people are going to get pretty crazy, pretty fast. And, uh, but then there's, I believe that there's enough Americans. Um, you know, I don't know what it would be like in Thailand, but <laughs> I, I believe there's enough people, especially here in Texas where yeah. we'd be just be kicking back, having a good time. Hey, what's up, guys? Just want to take a break to thank our sponsor, AKA Thailand, uh, a gym that's currently closed. <laughs> it's temporarily closed right now, but it will open up soon. Uh, we have a tentative, there's a little news here. We have a tentative open date of June 15th. So that's about a little over a month from now. I'm very excited about that. Um, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing the gym get get back kicking so i'm going to keep that 30 percent special going a little bit longer um, so if you want to save 30 percent on pre-book training now again the pre-book training that you can book now can be used anytime in the future so if you're not planning on coming for six months a year no problem if you want to transfer that training to somebody else say you decide that you don't want to use it or you want to buy it for somebody else no problem um, it's 30 percent discount on all group training packages and the website is completely set up. So you can just go to the website, go to the pricing page, uh, pick whatever package you want, and the total's already there. You don't have to email us or get us to do any kind of code or anything like that. Just go ahead and purchase it right off the website. Uh, you'll get a confirmation, and then we'll contact you. If you have any questions, please contact us at info at aktailand.com. We'll answer any question you have, as well as prepare you for coming here. Uh, we can do all-inclusive packages where we can take care of your hotel, your your uh, taxi transport from the airport, uh, VIP or regular. We can do uh, motorbike rental for you. Uh, we can do meal plans where you can have, we have an on-site restaurant at AK Thailand where you can have a, a meal plan and, and prepay so you save money and you get two to three meals a day during your training, um, which is an amazing thing to do because you can actually leave training like your Muay Thai program you can go order food go take a shower get cleaned up come back your food's ready you can eat boom within 45 minutes which is the ideal time for your nutrients to absorb in your body um, so again any questions info at aktailand.com or check out aktailand.com for all the pictures details information videos and, and, and stuff about the gym and our Instagram of course number one at aktailand.com um, and uh, we will see you soon well, yeah, it's definitely a different opinion of, of there's a lot of scared people and there's a lot of people that I've talked to in my podcast and friends of mine that that have felt that they've already had the, the coronavirus or that they've they've been around people who's had it. Like, I guess there's a lot of people that's been sick since January. And, and so a lot of the same symptoms. So a lot of people think a lot of people think that that was like the coronavirus early. A lot of people got it, got over it and it was fine. They never got tested. They still never got tested. So they don't know. And they think that could be just a, a sign that there's probably a lot of people that just got over this, like the flu. And this is just basically a really bad flu. 
What are, what are your thoughts on that? That's what I have been saying for the past three months. Um, yeah. um, I actually think my whole entire team had it. Uh, we were, we were teaching a course in Las Vegas. There's a dozen, there's a dozen of us, like 12 special forces. Like there's Ranger Delta force, uh, three green berets, a couple of cops. And I mean, they're all like massive Greek God, like, you know, Odonis looking dudes. Um, and for like four or five days, it, it was like, a, you know, a freight train went through the, for, through the team house got like, we're taking turns who was teaching because like it was, it was hard to breathe. And, and everybody, the whole team was like that. And it went from like one guy to another, to another. And, um, it was during the same time in Las Vegas, a shot show, which is like this big weapons convention. Mm-hmm. And it was pretty, it, they called it the shot show flu because mm-hmm. so many people got it. And, um, all of us that were there at that time work in, in like are in hospitals or um, are firefighters or police officers um, or in the military. And we're all in places where there's, um, you know, co- Corona is present and right. none of us are affected whatsoever. So I, I agree with you that um, I think this was here a lot earlier, especially on the West coast, um, you know, places that have a lot of commerce and travel from, from China and, um, to, you know, like which Las Vegas does and which California does and which Washington and Oregon do. Um, and here in Austin, we also do. And, uh, so I, I, I think it was here a lot earlier than, than we were noticing. And, um, and it's just a bad flu. Yeah. Yeah, it's you know it's good insight, man. I'm glad to to have you on here for uh, for this perspective. So, in your training, uh, did you train? I guess you obviously you did, but you, you did some training in Fort Bragg, correct? Oh yeah. And and the SWIX unit yeah. is that that's what's called, correct? SWIX special weapons. Yeah. Okay, yep. so so I've done a lot of stuff in Fort Bragg. So I did a lot of uh, tours stateside, and then I did 15 overseas tours. So I did three tours in Iraq and two tours in Afghanistan, just support. Obviously not what you did, but just supporting the troops and stuff. Um, and I did a lot of stuff in Fort Bragg. So I helped the family readiness program, donated some money, and did some charity events and gave away some guns and did some stuff there back in, I think, April of 2009. But I've also got to visit the kill house there, the sophisticated kill house they had, and then saw the SWIX unit and – so I assumed you did, and then I also worked with the combatives there. And I know you've won the combatives what three times, something like that, when when you were competing there. And it seems like back yeah. then, I mean, of course, it's back in '09 and and around that time frame. But the combatives was was becoming really big. There was a lot as I was touring. Um, I was in Afghanistan in in 2012. I was in Iraq in 2010, 11, and 12. And it was growing then, like getting bigger and bigger. The combatives program where where a lot of these guys were wanting to move into a lot more. MMA style fighting. Um, and I did some seminars in, in Fort Bragg. And then obviously when I did my tours, I did, uh, seminars and, and grappled with all the guys there. Um, so what was it that made you just, just out of curiosity from the military transition into MMA, what was it that made you jump into MMA being that you were in the military and a, and a successful special forces operative was, was, did you get what you wanted from MMA? I a, no, I was, I was top 10 in the world when I enlisted. Um, so I, I'd, I'd already been pro for like five, six years before I, before nine 11 happened. Um, okay. That's right. I'm old. I remember now. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I, remember um, the story now. yeah. yeah I, 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 so I, I was, I was fighting in the army 
especially in combat, um, like combatant units, you know, infantry, special forces, um, ranger regiment, fighting is just kind of part of it, right? Um, right. Gunfighting, fist fighting. So it's it's just the nature of the group of people that are there. So it's it was it's really easy to um, to go and compete in mixed martial arts because like culturally, uh, like if if you look at the old. 70s 80s and 90s movies about you know navy seals you see guys like fighting in bars and like in rope rings and um you know you see guys training behind like when they're deployed overseas like they, they build <clears throat> octagons or like they use katikos and yeah you've been over there you've seen it like they really do do that yeah. um like they're they're making it a little hollywood hollywoody right but um like especially in special forces like that's just part of the culture and the way that it is. So, you know, like if I'd get off work on a Friday, if I could, you know, drive up to the Mohegan sun and do a fight on Saturday and make it back on Sunday to show up for work on Monday, that's pretty cool. You know, yeah. e- easy, easy weekend. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. You're right. That's awesome. And it seemed like Fort Bragg had one of the, of, of the places I went to Fort Bragg had one of the most advanced, and, and their, as far as their gyms and the combatives programs, um, toward the end, I ended up in Iraq toward the end, and the guys were getting really good. Like there was a, there, there were starting to be like brown belts and black belts. Um, some of them were contractors, some of them were uh, servicemen, but um, they were getting pretty good. Um, but just so much respect for for what you do, man. Like, long story short, so you mentioned Navy SEAL, so that that's essentially what got me started. I wanted to be a Navy SEAL when I was a kid. You know, I was watching Navy SEAL, Finest Hour, all these movies about Navy SEALs, and I wanted to be in the group that actually made a difference. So be it, you know, uh, you know, uh, Green Berets, uh, Navy SEALs, Delta Force, whatever it is. These are the guys, in my opinion, growing up small town Texas, that were actually going out there making a difference. So I wanted to do that. And I got into fighting um, to help prepare for that. And then just fighting took off and took off. And, and I just kept kept staying with fighting to see how far it would go. And I figured I could always enlist afterwards. And then just one thing led to another. So that's why, you know, I've had deep regret that I never got to go in the military and serve, serve my country. So that's why I did so many tours once I got in the UFC. And that's why I I did as many as I did. And, um, hopefully I gave back enough and and did enough to help out. I, I think going on these tours definitely showed, um, you know, it made me feel like, the little things count so much, you know, and I think you guys are so you go through so much, man. What I've seen overseas, especially in Iraq and Afghanistan, like um, I was also in Germany at, Ram, at Ramstein and I went to Landstall. Is it Landstall Regional Medical? Landstall. Okay, so I I went I, yeah. I, I went there and visited the the uh, wounded warriors that were coming in from Iraq, and just a quick story, but I, I met these guys that were coming in from Iraq and they haven't had any visitors, you know, uh, you know, since their, their, their traumatic experience getting blown up by uh, EODs or getting shot or whatever the case. And I was, I was one of their first, our group was one of their first, uh, you know, visitors. And I would, I would hand them my shirt. Combat life was like my brand that I would like print and bring shirts and give out to the troops and stuff. Um, and I would give, I gave them shirts. I gave them caps. I gave them all this stuff. We, we talked, we visited, and then we found out they were getting loaded onto C-17s the next day to go to Walter Reed. I think it was, um, which I, I'd been to Walter Reed as well before. So I think they were getting transported back to Walter Reed. And so they asked us if we would like to come in and help load the guys onto the plane or be there with them when they got on the plane and, and kind of just surprise them because they didn't know we were coming. Um, 
And so we showed up there and a lot of the guys were coherent and they saw us and they were surprised and they were happy and they were, you know, it was cool because some of them were wearing the AK, I mean, the, uh, the combat life shirts and like, you know, when you give somebody a shirt and they actually put it on, it's really cool. But hopefully I get emotional on this story. But, uh, there's this one guy that was laying on a gurney that I had met previously and he had his arm really messed up and he had all these like wraps on and stuff like that. Um, he had wraps on his head. Um, so, and he was really, really bad shape. And when I got on the plane, I saw him and he was laying on a gurney in a C-17 and he had a combat live shirt on and it was ripped. So essentially he had to rip the shirt, like rip the whole arm off to get it on because it couldn't fit over all the wraps and all the bandages on his arm. And in his hand, he was laying there. The only thing he had in his hand was a, was a cap, a combat life cap. And dude, that hit me so hard. Like that hit me so hard, not not for the fact that I gave him this hat and this shirt, but it was like, it hit me so hard that such a small thing can mean so much to somebody that's been through such a traumatic uh, incident, you know? And like, it, it like really hit me hard. Like to see that like he was about to be transported back to America and that's what he was holding. There was no bags, there was no luggage, there was no, there was nothing else in his hand. So all these things, man, it's just, it's just, it grew a lot of respect for you guys, man. And like, you know, I, I, it's great talking to you finally because you know you've done everything and respectful in the sport of mma with with your fights in the ufc and then also in special forces and going out there and then continuing to do so with your tactical training with sheepdog response so a lot of respect and and i also got a rocket attacked on kandahar base which was uh another thing that that gave me a lot of respect for you guys because we we got on uh kandahar in, in afghanistan which we weren't supposed to be there i think we were going to shindad is there shindad base in uh, afghanistan so i think we were, we were supposed yeah. to go to Shin, shindad and something happened and we ended up in kandahar we ended up trying to get checked in nobody knew why we were there who we were supposed to be with we had to talk to them a few people knew who we were from ufc so they finally got us to mwr and then we were about to leave in C-130s off the airfield, and we got on the C-130, and then all these explosions, all these, ex oh, bless you, all these explosions start happening, and it's just like all these explosions start happening on the airfield, and it's like crazy scary, right? And so I'm about to book it, like, through the, like, to the darkest area I could possibly find where there's nobody going to, like, drop a rocket. And as soon as I, like, book it off the plane, they're like, they tell us to slam down on the concrete so now we're slammed down on the concrete and i'm like one foot away from this plane which is probably a high target i don't know how they aim and what they're aiming for i assumed that an airplane is not the safest place to be and here i am face down on the concrete next to an airplane and there's like freaking bombs going off and shit and i'm filming if you look up on youtube mike swick afghanistan you'll see the blog of this entire thing um and i'm filming and then finally we get up and we go to the bunker and i'm sitting in the bunker and i'm just like holy fuck we just got almost blown up by rockets and like i'm like freaking out and like everybody's freaking out and then there's some military guys in there and they're just chilling like it literally was like nothing for them like it was literally they were just talking and then they were just talking to us about how normal this was and this happened three times three times we got on the c-130 got off face planted and went to the bunker we literally got on and off this plane more than we flew in it it's crazy so that was That's like fun. another and that was just a, a freaking airfield and that wasn't even on a convoy wasn't even on a mission so it's like Man, you guys have went through so much, man, and like I, I have deep, deep respect for that. Yeah, good job. Yeah, Best job just, in the world. Yeah, it's crazy, man. It's crazy. So, so I was gonna ask you from uh, your your Hitler show, hunting Hitler. Uh, obviously, you have concluded. Mm -hmm. the, the FBI concluded at the end that that you know it's it's 
you know, it's a hot case and, and it's a good possibility. Do you think that anyone's ever going to continue looking for him as far as finding an actual body and trying to just, just get the 100% evidence? Or do you think that y'all pretty much closed the case? Um, I mean, I hope they do, you know, like, uh, a, he's an asshole, right? And, <laughs> he's um, definitely I, him and, and Joseph Magnoli. Yeah. And I, 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 I like seeing when justice is served and, mm. um, and knowing that you know, part of justice is closure and, um, you know, one, one of the one of the many reasons, like through the justice system, that it goes all the way to the end, where they, like, in the old days, they were hung or lethal injection or electrocuted, um, like that. That's the finality, right? Not only do you know who did it, um, but then this is the end of that saga, and um, you know, fascism and the ideas of Nazism still exist today yeah. and it's disgusting yeah, that, it's crazy. They, that they could still be relevant and, um, you know, that, that, that there are still like people walking into, into like a, a Jewish bakery and trying to mow a bunch of people down, like going into a kosher store and being like, ah, like today's my day to kill some Jews. Like, what is this? You know, yeah. like, we're just a 21st century. Um, and I, closure and you know letting the world know that one of the worst humans to ever exist died in the most humiliating cowardice way as he took his own life after he killed his own spouse um and killed his dogs and you know and then was burnt to a crisp in a bunker that's pretty cool i'm okay with that um whatever it is as long as there's closure so then right. you know maybe these ideas that people are are still holding on to can be put to rest yeah yeah well i mean I, yeah i agree i guess um it, it just yeah i mean it, it, that was crazy man i'll be honest with you that was a good show though i mean i'll give you credit for that, that was, it must have been really cool to be hunting down such a historic figure and like actually getting all that evidence that you got like finding that village and 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 especially that that jungle facility like that was crazy obviously like that must have been pretty exciting yeah, to was... the u-boats and all. yeah you know it's like i was the first american to to ever dive on this german u-boat in norway like that's yeah. insane it's um, crazy. you know be the first person to go to martin Bor martin borman's bunker hideout in the jungle and you know find cooperative evidence that albeit albeit circumstantial definitely indicated that there was nazis hiding there um you know it's uh it's it's cool uh i i, I would have liked to have taken it a little bit further we had more stuff that we wanted to um we had more episodes i'm, I'm saying episodes we had the, inv the investigation continued and um, it took us into North Africa and into the Middle East and um, it actually here back to the United States as well. Um, but we weren't able to pursue those because it was kind of hot topics. Yeah, right. And that, that, pissed, that pissed me off. Yeah, to go that far and then just be told no. <laughs> it sucks. Well, it's, it's like, ah, we don't, you know, we, we don't want to talk about these things right now, you know, because like fascism and like, Hey, people are calling 
Trump a fascist or, you know, calling uh, Nancy Pelosi a fascist or like, um, but clearly they don't understand these words. But yeah. um, when, when, you know, we're following evidence back to the United States, um, you know, especially like Operation Paperclip, where we legitimately, we wanted to beat the communists in, in all in a race to the moon. Um, so we were definitely letting some dudes go in exchange for some pretty good scientists. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's, there's nobody that hates a communist more than a fascist. And, yeah. you know, we might've been turning a blind eye away in South America, um, from what the fascists were doing to combat communism down in South America. So, um, again, like here we are full circle, you know, back to what you, you said, like what, what if the government government had more information than the people that should just never be the case. Yeah. Never. Like the people should always have all of the information and all decisions should be made by the people accordingly. That's crazy, man. And and I was gonna ask you one more one more thing, just real fast. I know you got time, uh, or I know you're it's taking a lot of time for you. But uh, uh, which I guess from our Corona conversation, you're you're totally pro UFC 249. I guess you have no no problems with that going on. Uh, are you looking forward to that fight? And uh, what were your thoughts on this 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 fight and then Fight Island? <laughs> Um, fight Island. It's 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 like out of, it's hilarious. It's out of a movie. I want to I want to go and fight Fight Island. Um, You're gonna come back and, and fight, and fight uh, Island. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I just take my hands, dip them into some glue, and then dip them into some broken glass and some nails. Um, you know, like maybe there's some Bengal tigers just like walking around. Um, I don't know, a, a zombie version of of Jet Li and. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it it sounds so crazy. Like I just want to be part of it, but yeah, all the athletes, all their corners, they're they're all tested for COVID. So all the athletes and all the corners and all the um, uh, athletic commission and everybody from the organization, they're all tested. Um, so yeah, back to work. Let's go. And I have to get your breakdown for just just one quick breakdown. What, what's your breakdown of Gaethje versus Ferguson, considering that's the main event of this fight coming up here on the ninth? That's a crazy I'm a huge fight, fan man. Of both of them. Yeah, me too. It is. <laughs> me too. I man. mean, like Ferguson hasn't lost in like twelve years or something, or eight years. I mean, it's he's a, he's on a twelve fight win streak. He hasn't lost in I don't know, like a decade almost. And uh, Gaethje, like he hits like a freight train. Um, that whole card from Jacare and Hall, Michelle Watterson, Cowboy Cerrone and Pettis. Um, uh, we got another good title fight on there. We have uh, the two uh, little fellas. Yeah, Henry Cejudo versus Dominic Cruz yeah, coming back Cejudo, after four years. Dominic Cruz, crazy. But and, it's it's, know, it's, it's the goat. Well. But it's the goat. But he's coming back after four years and off of a loss. So that. that it, if it wasn't for that, I'd pick Dominique Cruz. The fact that it's been four years, he's coming off a loss to Cody Garbrandt, I have to say that's going to factor in. And I, I would love to see him have a tune-up fight first. I'm going to have to go with, with Henry on that one, but that's going to be a hell of a fight too. Hell of a fight. Yeah. And yeah, it's the only the, live sporting uh, event happening, so everybody's going to be watching this thing. I don't, I'm curious to see what kind of numbers 249 does. Um, yeah, I'm going to watch crazy. it. I don't, I, don't even, I don't even watch fights, um, but I'll watch this one. Yeah. Out of principle. Yeah. Well, cool, man. Yeah, it's good. I'm sorry. I know you. Uh, time is important. You're a military guy, and I know how it is with you guys. Um, but I appreciate you taking time to talk to me, man. I really do. And it means a lot My to pleasure. me, man. 
I've always wanted to talk to you and uh, and have a decent conversation, and it just never has happened before. So what better time than to yeah. do it on a podcast where we can share it with everybody else? I think we covered some good subjects, and uh, I want to thank you for your service, your, not only your service, but your continued service. Um, and good luck with uh, Sheepdog Response. I would love to come out sometime, man, and try it. I love, I'm a Texas boy, so I love guns. I'm not a hunter, but I love guns. I've been shooting guns since I was like eight years old. You know, I grew up in Texas where on your like ninth birthday, you get like a 22, you know, and, and, and you go out and start shooting it. So I love guns. Yeah. I, saw, I shot guns with on all the military tours. You know, all the special forces guys would bring us in and let us shoot the guns and stuff. So I would love to come visit you, man, and, uh, and take part in one of your courses eventually. Open invitation anytime. For Thank sure. Thank you, man. Thank you, brother, man. I really appreciate it. And uh, thanks for doing the show. Yep. Take care. All right. Well, there you have it. Tim Kennedy, a conversation I've always wanted to have. Uh, super smart guy, man. And, and super uh, gung-ho, you know, I mean, he's a, he's, he's aggressive gung-ho and fired up all the time. And, and he, he believes in what he believes and, and you have to respect that, you know? And, uh, as I told him, I I definitely respect his service to our country and, and his fighting career that, that I've got to enjoy watching throughout the years. Um, and and finally we we got this conversation out of the way so uh you know he it's good too that he has such a different stance on this coronavirus it's almost complete opposite of whenever what everybody else has said and i'm flip-flopping all over the place just because i'm stuck in thailand and the, i get only select news here we don't get american tv so it's like uh more youtube i'm looking at different channels through youtube and uh, bbc and cnn and stuff like that and it's just it's changing all the time so i'm always changing my thoughts on what this thing is and and the impact and i think he gave me some some stuff to think about um he doesn't seem afraid of it, and and I, I'm starting to believe that that he has a good reason, and, and I'm kind of leaning towards that. I don't think, I think we're flattening the curve, staying inside and staying away from each other, but I, I don't see that as a resolve. I don't see that as the end game for this virus. I, I think a, a cure, um, a vaccine, or what he said, that we just deal with it. it it's, a, it's a really bad flu, um, just like... I mean, there's a lot of people that that have pre-existing medical conditions in the hospital um, that can't even get sick. They have immune deficiency disease, and you know, even just getting the common cold can kill them. So, you know, it, it's a step above that. So it is a it is a serious flu, but but I'm starting to lean my my thoughts. I'm not an expert at this. I never claim to be. Um, but I'm starting to to lean my thoughts on on the fact that I think that this thing is is just a really bad flu and live your life um and then if you get it deal with it and obviously you know where you what your chances are i mean we know that that guys in our age group girls and guys in our age group and and uh you know are having a very good success rate here with with uh, getting treated or not having any symptoms at all and if you have to take some medicine you go take some medicine if you have to go to the hospital you have to go to the hospital i kind of hope that's the case too because then i think life in general will get back um to normal faster if if we take this kind of stance um i'm not condoning going out and, and doing things i'm not i'm not giving advice here i'm just telling you what my opinion is i i do or I am starting to feel that this is probably the way to go um, because we can't, we can't live in fear the rest of our lives. Um, and, you know, he, he definitely was a very strong advocate for that. And, and he, he proved some good points, I think, or made some good points. Um, 
so I guess we'll see, you know, I guess the time, the time will tell, um, we're learning new things every day and, uh, I guess we'll see where this, where this goes, but I think it was a good guest to have, to have such a, a different opinion and, you know, someone who is in the know, um, you know, I mean, he has a full report on his sheepdog response website about the coronavirus and, you know, they're, they're very in the know of this, this pandemic and what's going on and, and the history and everything. So it's not like he's just guessing, um, so I respect that. So I hope you guys took something from it, and and I hope that uh, it was entertaining to have this conversation in front of you guys. It was definitely cool for me, um, considering uh, you know I've always wanted to have a conversation with them. But anyway, hope you enjoyed, and uh, please subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. Subscribe, follow us, um, leave a comment, let us know what you think, let us know your thoughts. Uh, is if Tim Kennedy is correct or if he's not, if we should be uh, hiding from this thing or if we should just be facing it, taking our chances. Um, let me know what you think uh, as far as future guests, people you'd like to see. We have some big guests coming up. I don't want to say names right now because I always feel like I'm going to ju- uh, jinx it. Um, but we do have some big guests coming up. We have a couple big guests uh, for the regular podcast, which is going to be really special to me uh, and to you, I think, um, because they're very interesting guests. Um, and then we have a couple real good quarantine uh, guests that I'm putting on the quarantine series that are that are fight personalities. So stay tuned for that. Follow us and subscribe on all audio platforms. We should be on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, um, Spotify, and uh, I'll see you next time.